0: <laughs> How's that? Am I on now? Okay. Uh, anxiety disorders, and I didn't know this, by the way. I actually kind of educated myself a little bit in my study this past week. But anxiety uh, disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults just in, just in North America, um, ages 18 and older. 18.1% of the population struggles with this. All right. So, you know, that's almost like one in five. Right. And, and and even though and this is what's really interesting, even though anxiety disorders, even though that they can be treated, they're highly treatable, only about 37 percent of people who struggle with it actually go get treatment for it. To me, that's kind of telling, too, isn't it? The fact that p- people have it, they know they have it, but yet they won't they won't go get for it. Right. So anxiety, worry, stress, what does it mean if someone wrestles with these things? Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you've done something wrong. It doesn't mean that God's mad at you or is getting even with you or something like that. Now, having said that, let, let me say this. There, there are times that uh, we are the source of our own anxiety and worry and stress. Sometimes we do say do things, say things that kind of brings these things on. But for the most part, you know, it's not uncommon for someone to struggle with these things, depending on what they're facing. And this time of year, again, is typically one of those times when these added stressors come our way. Uh, further, it's not uncommon for someone with an anxiety disorder to also suffer with depression or vice versa. Right? Nearly one half of those diagnosed with depression are also diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. In fact, if you worry, if you're anxious, you're actually in pretty good company because Jesus... Battled these things as well. That's right. He did. Remember on the night that he was betrayed, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying. He's scared. If you can believe yeah, he's scared. We we know that from his prayer. He's looking for an exit strategy. He asked his father, if there's any other way that this can be done, please show me now, Father. If there's any other way I need to know now. I know why you've called me, but man. If there's any other way, now would be a good time to show me what that is, right? And that prayer was so intense, so fervent, that the capillaries in his forehead burst and drops of blood began to drip down. That's how John describes it. Matthew describes it. In other words, listen, Jesus battled anxiety and fear, too. So what did he do, Pastor? How did Jesus deal with his fear and anxiety? Well, let's look at it. Matthew 26, 36 to 39. Then Jesus went with them. To a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while go over while taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Look at those words, sorrowful, troubled. Remain here watch with me. And going a little farther he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. All right, little backstory here. Jesus just moments away from his betrayal by Jesus and arrest by the Roman soldiers. Remember, now think—he knows what's going to happen. He knows what's about to happen—that that Judas is going to come, uh, kiss him, and that's going to trigger the betrayal and then the arrest and so forth. So Jesus knows what's going to happen, right? Probably why he's experiencing situations of anxiety go with it. The frame with his inner circle the three amigos, Peter James, and Turner, right? At one point he gets up, he tells his guys to stay there but he's going to go a little bit further to a place where he can be alone with the father and he Basically I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, "Father, I know this is why you sent me here in the first place. I know this is my destiny and purpose, but still if there's any other way, I'd kind of like to know now." You see that? See, we've read that so many times. I, I think we lose sight of the, the, the actual emotional impact it had on our Lord. He's str- I'm telling you, people, he struggled with fear, worry, and anxiety. Jesus did, right? So please note with the statement. Jesus do with the fears and anxiety. He surrendered them to the Father, and such is and for us. Fear and anxiety are simply a part of the of living on this broken planet amongst broken people, right? We didn't sign up for it. It's just It, it, it just comes with that, right? That's part of this package. So now, look, just as Jesus, in the course of fulfilling God's will for his life, faced fear and battled anxiety, so also will we occasionally face fear and battle with anxiety and doing God's will. And when we do, when we do, we should do exactly what he did, surrender them to our Heavenly Father. Because his will is that we live lives characterized by chaos. Lives characterized by peace, not panic. So how exactly does one go about surrendering their fears and anxieties to the Lord? I mean, that sounds so neat and packaged to hear a pastor say that, doesn't it? Hey, brother, you just need to surrender those to the Lord. Like, that's real helpful. I mean, it might be, but sometimes Christians try to help me out by, you know, giving me one of those packaged answers to something. It doesn't help me at all. It doesn't encourage. It kind of ticks me off, you know, when people try to be of some help like that. So so what does that mean say, well, you need to surrender those to the Lord? What does that look like, right? Well, fortunately, the Apostle Paul kind of gives us some very practical instructions on what surrendering our fears and anxieties to the Lord looks like. So open up in your Bibles or open up your Bible app to Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at a passage that probably most of you are familiar with. Not long ago, I was uh, my, my Bible reading plan, what I was doing was Max Lucado's study. Uh, and so, uh, th- to me, that was a very fascinating study. I'm just saying, a lot of the things we're going to be looking at this morning kind of come from that study. So if you're looking for a good short, I think it was a four or five-day study, I would encourage you to do that. Anxious for Nothing on the Version Bible app. I would encourage you to do that, okay? Uh, because it was, I got a lot out of it, and a lot of the stuff I'm going to be sharing kind of came from that. All right, Philippians 4, verses 4 to 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, some translations say gentleness, let your gentleness, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Look at the extremes there. Uh, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Really? I mean, there's no out there. He, you know, it'd be nice if people would have left us and out. Be nice if people would have said, you know, don't be anxious on Thursdays and Saturday evenings. But he does not It's like just like a you know a blanket statement. I mean, is that even possible to not be anxious? Right? Come on, Paul, throw us a bone here. Right? And the peace of God, verse 7. Uh, our verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I don't know if any of you knew this or not, but America is now officially the most anxious nation on the planet. Not only are we the most anxious nation on the planet, we are the most anxious any nation has ever been as long as they've been measuring anxiety in countries. Seriously. I mean, what we measure out is is off the charts, which is amazing. That's amazing to me, right? When you think about, you know, why in the world would America, right? Think about this, home of the brave, land of the free, where our cars are safer than they've ever been, where we have access to top military and economic resources in the world people, now think about this people in third world countries peg out lower on the anxiety meter and those stress indicators used to measure anxiety than we do in North America, now think about that explain that one to me not only that this is also amazing, when people from third, and they've, they've studied this when people from third world countries move to America their anxiety and fear levels spike Right. What's even more amazing is they come here, they pick all of a sudden they start now Experience. it's almost like is this contagious? It's almost like the anxiety is contagious. What would cause that to happen with someone? Someone that moved from a third world country, right? You would think that people in some of these countries and what they're going through that they would have greater stress than we than we do, right? But it's even worse. Studies tell us that the average child today experiences the same stress levels as a psychiatric patient did in the 1950s. That's kind of an eye-opener, isn't it? The average child today experiences the same stress, stress levels as a psychiatric patient did in the 1950s, right? That's amazing. Guy goes to the doctor one day. Doctor asks him, so what's going on? Guy says, well, last night, doctor, I had a dream that I was a pup tent. And the night before, I had a dream that I was a teepee. So so what's going on, doc? Doctor says, oh, that's easy. You're two tents. You're a pretty rough crowd, man. Was that a groaner? And we are too tense at times, right? Our illness, all right, because this this tenseness, is is in some way related to worry and anxiety and stress. In fact, the number one killer in America today is heart disease. 38% of all deaths are related to heart disease. But so many of those are related to hypertension, high blood pressure, and anxiety. Not only that, Worry has also been linked to cancer, lung ailments, accidents, cirrhosis, gastrointestinal illness, and suicide. In fact, three-fourths of all visits to primary care physicians are stress-related complaints or disorders, which is the same thing that the psalmist said in Psalm 37, 8. He said, fret not yourself. It tends only to evil, all right? The message, like the message puts it this way, bridle your anger, trash your wrath, cool your pipes. It only makes things worse. That's the message. I like that. Because sometimes when we do get stressed, we, we, we kind of go to a place we don't, a dark, you know, we go to that dark place that none of us like. Right? The New Living Translation says this. It says that uh, uh, it only leads to harm. Fret not yourself. It only leads to harm. Harm? Harm where? Harm to our neck, harm to our jaw, harm to our shoulders, harm to our back, anxiety. Listen, listen, this, this isn't something to mess with. And if, and if you struggle with this, you know this for a fact, but this isn't something to mess around with. Anxiety will jack you up. If you don't deal with it right, it'll, it'll mess you up. It really will. All right? Anxiety makes our eyes twitch, our blood pressure rise, our heads ache. So question, if we know that anxiety and worry is a killer, then why do we do it? <laughs> Especially knowing that 40% of the stuff that we worry about never happens anyway. That's right. According to the Bureau, Bureau of Standards, a dense now, now listen to this. A dense fog covering seven city blocks to a depth of one hundred feet is composed of something less than this amount of water. Okay? Let me say that again. A dense fog covering seven city blocks to a depth of one hundred feet is composed of something less than about that much water, right? So if all the fog covering seven city blocks 100 feet deep, were collected and held in a single bottle or drinking glass, it wouldn't even fill that up. It'd be about that much water. I've taken two drinks out of that, right? And see, this could be compared to our worries. If we could see into the future, and if we could see problems in their true light, they wouldn't tend to loom so large. If all the things that most people worry about, if all the things we worry about were were reduced to their true size, you could probably put them all into a bottle like that or a drinking glass. Here's the breakdown of the things we worry about. 40% over things that never happen. 30% over things in the past that can't be changed by all the worrying in the world. Right? 12% over needless worries about our health. 10% over petty miscellaneous worries. 8% over legitimate worries. Only 8% of our worries are worth concerning ourselves about. 92% are fog and missed no substance to him 92 percent you could fit right in there all right so what do we do when we begin to feel overwhelmed by anxiety and fear all right well jesus kind of gave us the template set the example for what to do with fear anxiety and worry kind of we surrender it to the father but paul kind of helps us tease that out a little bit so we can know exactly what surrendering our anxiety to the father looks like into our text for this morning i want to throw out a disclaimer I'm not because some, you know when you're when you're addressing something that the majority of people struggle with, I think sometimes we pastors can kind of come across as uh, making this sound very uh, simple and packaged and neat you know like you know you put an equation if you do this and this and this then you're good to go and that that's not what I'm proposing if you've been walking with God for very long at all you know that obedience to him looks a lot of different ways all right depending on how we're wired and what we're going through right but the the thing is some here this morning, I'm not naive, all right, there are probably some people here this morning that really do struggle with this more than others. In fact, I do a major battle each day. I'm not in any way suggesting that by the time we get done this morning, everyone's going to be set free from worry, fear, and anxiety. What I'm saying is if you will apply these truths to your life, God can and will help see you through your struggles victoriously. I, I do believe that. I also believe that for some, God's way of help and healing comes through professional therapy or counseling. I'm not opposed to that, right? And if that's something that you maybe need to do, don't feel like you're a lesser person because you have to do that, right? So having said that, there's no question all of us could benefit from the instruction, some instructions regarding anxiety, and the Apostle Paul gives those to us in a letter that he wrote to the Jesus followers at Philippi. So please note in Paul's comment in verse 6, he says, Do not be anxious about anything. Really? Really? Is that even possible? Is that even possible? Well, to understand what Paul's getting at here, I need to get get greeky on you. So that I won't charge this. This phrase Paul used here uh, was written in what is called the present active tense. You don't need to remember that. Okay, It refers to an ongoing act or situation. So as it applies here, the phrase could be better understood or read as Paul saying, don't let yourself be caught up in a perpetual state or vicious cycle of anxiety and worry. That's what he's saying. Just don't camp out. Now, It's going to happen. He's not saying that it's never going to happen. He's saying when it happens, don't stay there. Don't get, because it's easy to get caught up in that. Those of you that struggle with that know that. It is easy to get caught up in that vicious cycle, right? Frankly, it is impossible to live a life free of anxiety. But it is possible to live lives free from perpetual anxiety. I like the way Max Lucado said, Anxiety comes with life, but it doesn't have to dominate our life. It doesn't have to dominate it. In this passage, the Apostle Paul gives us four guidelines, four steps that we can take to help with our over-worry. All right? And in his book, Anxious he uses this, uh, this acrostic that spells the word calm, C-A-L-M, which is a good acrostic for this particular topic. C, celebrate. That's the first step. Celebrate God's goodness towards you. The the grammatical construction that Paul uses here, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, it's both interesting and it's intentional. The repetition of the command to rejoice, almost as if God's way of saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Hey, I'm talking to you. Rejoice. It's like he's trying to get our attention. Because that's the typically that's the last thing we want to do. In those situations, right, when 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 battle, when when uh, worry and fear and anxiety comes upon us, the last thing we want to do is rejoice. But he says that's exactly what you need to do, and he repeats it, right? Like, uh, hey, maybe you didn't hear me the first time. I said rejoice, right? Start rejoicing. But the truly amazing thing about the Apostle Paul's command here is, is, is think about this: he's writing these words of rejoice in the Lord always. Writing those with his feet chained, maybe his arms, his wrists chained, sitting in a prison, with a Roman guard standing right outside the door. You think about that. He's writing these words, rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice, while he's sitting in a dark prison cell. Right? Point of application here is, listen, Paul's point is simply this. Don't dwell on your situation. Don't stare at the mess. So he said, don't, don't stare at the mess. The longer you stare at a problem, the bigger it gets, right? So when you encounter a situation where you find yourself starting to feel just lift your head up, take a deep breath, and rejoice. The moment that you sense anxiety starting rather than giving in to it, You intentionally lift up your eyes and rejoice in the Lord. This method must have worked because it worked for David, King David as well. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. I lift my eyes up to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I will, I choose to lift up. It's like he's intentional. He's choosing. I choose to lift up my eyes. Please note the intentionality of that. David says in no uncertain terms, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. What's up there? That's where his help comes from. That's where the Father is. So the next time you begin to feel a little stressed out or anxious or even fearful, your first course of action should be to lift your eyes up to the place where your help comes from, the Lord. Don't stare at, don't dwell on the problem, the the thing or things that, that are creating the anxiety and the fear. Set your gaze on the Lord and rejoice in Him. After all, is God greater than your problem? Not a trick question. Is God greater than your problem? Yeah. Has God ever faced something like this before? Yeah. Does God have solutions that maybe you haven't thought of? Has God helped you through similar situations before? Is God still on the throne? There you go. Right? As you begin to recall his faithfulness, you're taking your eyes off the source of fear and anxiety and putting the source of your peace and assurance. Don't meditate on the mess. Celebrate by rejoicing in the Lord. So the first letter of the acrostic C stands for celebrate. The second letter is A, ask. Ask. After taking your eyes off the problem, lifting them up to your Heavenly Father and rejoicing in Him and His faithfulness. You calm down, you're at a better place spiritually, emotionally, and mentally to ask God for help. Letting your request be made known to God. Fear and anxiety. Listen, fear and anxiety will trigger one, or, one of two things in us, despair or prayer. Fear and anxiety will trigger one of those two things, despair or prayer. So choose wisely. Choose wisely. We weren't designed to carry our burdens alone. We were designed to worship, not worry. Corey Ten Boom says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Right. Remember John 10.10, the thief comes to steal. Anxiety and burdens are a device of the devil. They steal from us. Psalm 50.15, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Matthew 7.7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. If you haven't figured it out yet, peace is almost always found in the context of prayer. That's why the devil doesn't want us praying. Another quote by Lucado, the path to peace is always paved with prayer. Remember that. If you get nothing else out of this, remember that. The path to peace is always paved with prayer. Find a promise that fits your problem, then make a prayer out of it. God said, you said you'd never leave me or forsake me, God. You, you said you'd bring me peace in the midst of my storm. Uh, you said that you would be with me even through the, the valley of the shadow of death, Right? God, you said you, you would provide for me, that you've never, you've never seen the uh, the righteous forsaken, forsaken, Lord. Google it. There's, there's hundreds of promises in the Bible that you could use to pray. Now, you might not get an answer right away. Okay. You might not get the answer right away, but you will get an answer. And at that point, having celebrated God's goodness and faithfulness, then having asked the Lord what it is we have need of, then we're at a place where we can do the next step. We ask God, First, we celebrate God's goodness, then we ask for help, then you leave, the L is leave your concerns with God. Now, note I didn't say take your concerns to God, because frankly, taking's not the problem. It's leaving, leaving them there. That's the problem, right? Now, I've got a question. How many of you have ever taken uh, a, a computer or a tablet or an iPad uh, to get it worked on? How many of you ever taken a car uh, to a shop uh, to, to, to to get some, some work done on it? All right. Um when you did that, did did you did you take your inflatable mattress with you and pillow? Say, okay, I'm just gonna you know, I'm just gonna hang out here till you're done. If you have any questions you can ask me, maybe I can help you out. Uh but otherwise I'll just be right here. I'm just gonna camp out right here, and then, then you just kinda let me know. Is that what you do? You do. You leave it. You drop it off, right? You leave it there until they call you and tell you it's fixed. Same principle here, folks. When When you leave your concerns with the Father, you do just that. You leave them there. Our problem isn't bringing our concerns, our fears, and anxieties to the Father. Our problem is leaving them there. And I and I just kind of shared this silly illustration before, but this is this is what we do. We got something we've been struggling with. It's like, man, God, you know, I can't handle. I'm right, and I'm just, right, just leave them right there. I tried. I've tried, I tried, I can't do it anymore. I'm right here, Father, I'm gonna leave those with you because this is what's slick, God. I've, I've tried, I've tried to deal with it. And, and I can't and so I'm just going to leave I'm just going to leave those right I'm just going to leave those right there well if you're just going to sit then I guess I'm going to right Is that what we do the problem's not taking them the problem's leaving them we need to learn to leave them with the father right let him take care of it he can handle it read his resume it's a pretty good resume it's pretty impressive right Everyone raise your right hand. Everyone raise your right hand. This is all skate. Everyone raise your hand, right? All right, now say this. I hereby resign as ruler of the universe. There, now doesn't that make you feel better? Yeah. And when Paul says, let your request be made known to God, that word request is also an interesting word. It actually refers to a specific or an itemized list. And and, and this is good because each day poses its own u- unique and specific challenges and worries and fears. But instead of allowing yourself to to stare at the mess, right, instead of focusing on the fear, choose to turn your gaze upon the one who has promised to never leave nor forsake you. Begin to celebrate his goodness and faithfulness. Then ask him for his help and presence to make it through the day. Ask him to give you favor with any people you might have to meet with that day. Maybe you've got a job interview that's stressing you out. That morning, just pray over it. God, just give me favor with whoever I'm going to be meeting with. Give me the right words to say. Keep me from saying the wrong things. I mean, really. Do you believe the Holy Spirit can help you do that? Absolutely. That's His job. That's what He does. Right? So then, if you, if you ask Him for that help... Ask him to season your speech with grace and wisdom so you'll say the right things and so forth. Then throughout the day, any time you sense that fear or anxiety beginning to rise up, just remind yourself that you distinctly remember leaving those with the Father. No, no, no. I remember leaving those with Father God, right? And he's working on those things. Instead of giving in to that tailspin, that quicksand of fear and anxiety, Choose to lift up your eyes and rejoice in the Lord. And if we'll learn to take these steps that Paul gives us anytime we're facing fear, worry, and anxiety, if we'll celebrate God's goodness, then ask Him for help, then leave our concerns with Him. If we'll do that, we'll be better equipped when we do have to face those fears and anxiety. And once we leave our anxiety with the Father, we can then replace it with gratitude. And this is a this is an important part of this step, this process. Number three, the leaving. Once we leave our anxiety with the Father, gratitude. No Verse 6, how Paul prefaces his statement about making our request known to the Father with this statement, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We talked about that last week. Gratitude, attitude of gratitude. See, this is huge. Here's why. Anxiety and gratitude cannot coexist. It's like oil and water. Anxiety and gratitude don't mix, right? In fact, test me on this. See if this isn't true. The next time you find yourself getting anxious about something, Try doing this. Think of ten things in your life that you're grateful for. Seriously, the next stretch about just you know do it. Do a, a shift in your mind and think of ten things that you're grateful for. Ten things that God has done. Ten blessings of God in your life. And I guarantee you, that worry, that anxiety will be gone. So, how do we surrender our fears and anxieties to the Lord? Celebrate His goodness and faithfulness. The C A. Ask Him for help. C, our L, leave our troubles with him and fill that place with gratitude. And then finally, meditate on his good things. What good things? Well, he gives us a pretty lengthy list here. Verse 8, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there's any, think about or meditate on. In other words, don't let anxious, worrisome, negative thoughts overwhelm you start to happen, Paul says begin to begin about to think about the things that are commendable and excellent. See, we control our circumstances, but we can control how we think about our circumstances. That's where our power is, that the power is, is learning to think about them differently. Right? Another way to put this would be that eight, that old homespun adage, when life gives you lemons, Make lemonade. Uh, when I was in high, um, I lived with my dad in an apartment complex over in Lawrence, west of Lawrence. And for uh, for my allowance, um, I had to sweep the decks of the these apartment buildings. Each building had three floors, and so I had to go around and sweep those each. And uh, I, I hated that cuz you know all, all my friends you know they you know what they did for their allowance take out the trash make their bed and I actually had to work for my allowance I did I actually had to do work so I'm feeling sorry for myself you know I'm I'm you know sweeping along and 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 for 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 a while there I actually it, it's so it's so messed with me mentally that I wouldn't do a good job you know and then of course I kind of get in trouble for that and I knew I wasn't doing a good job. But one time, I'm, I'm sweeping along, and I'm really upset. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I, even though I'm not really uh, having a, a close relationship with God at that time, not, even when I walked away from God, I still talked to God. You know, that you can do that. <laughs> and so I'm having one of those conversations with God where I'm really mad at him. And I, I have to do this, you know, and I'm sweeping along. And I'm sweeping along. I, I see this little thing, you know, and, and so I went over and picked it up and it was well, a little you know thing you put on a little magnetic thing you put on a refrigerator uh or something uh, metal and uh it was a thing and it was a lemon and it had that phrase on it and i i kind of heard that before you know and and you know it yeah it it's it's, it's kind of it sounds kind of trite and corny it's kind of homespun uh but you know something happened to me that day. And uh I I decided I'm I'm serious. I decided from that point forward, any time that I was faced with a challenge, you know, something I didn't want to do, I'm just gonna you know what, I'm gonna dig in because the sooner I dig in, the sooner I'll be done. And I've kind of approached life and jobs like that. Well, you might not know it looking at my desk, but <laughs> But, you know, there are certain, you know, I got certain limits there, but, but no, seriously, that, that, there was, that was a changing point in my life because I thought, you know, griping about it's not gonna do any good. The sooner I get this done, the sooner I get paid, and the sooner I can go do what I wanna do, you know? Now, that, that's kind of a, a a minor illustration of what I'm kind of wanting to talk about because, yeah, I mean, life was kind of sour for me at that point, but nothing like what some people face, right? We had a presbyters board meeting this uh, first part of this last week, and I'm uh, Sue was talking with a uh, uh, pastor, some friends, pastor's wife, and uh, she was sharing with her how uh, um, their church was kind of going through a struggle because uh, their 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 youth and worship leader, who had been in the church for years, the pastor mentored this guy, uh, you know, probably baptized him as a child, discipled him. And and then as he got older, they they hired him as a worship leader and and youth leader. Uh, Here just recently, he left, went to another church, and took a third of the congregation with him. And I'm telling you, as a pastor, those are some pretty sour lemons. Those are some pretty sour lemons right there. There's an elderly gentleman that I uh, go out to eat breakfast with occasionally. I don't go as much as I used to because he moved to another town a few years ago, but occasionally would still go out. This is a guy who not only used to drive a, a truck back and forth across this nation, he also used to fly an airplane. He flew a plane while serving in the military, continued to do so as a hobby throughout much of his life. Last time we went out for breakfast, I, I noticed how his health had kind of declined from the last time we had met. In fact, when I got home, I told Sue, I said, I said man, and I said his name, I said, boy, he, he's not looking good. He just doesn't look good. Well, just recently, this gentleman's car keys were taken away from him. And he and his wife were moved to an assisted living facility. Imagine that a guy who's probably driven millions of miles back and forth across this country in an 18-wheeler, logged thousands of hours flying a plane, can't even drive a car now. Those are some pretty sour lemons, huh? I, I doubt that that's what he had in mind when he envisioned retirement. Last week I found out about an aunt, probably my favorite aunt growing up, has a tumor on her brain, but because it's expanded to both sides of her brain that her medical options are limited. I mean, barring a divine miracle, it's just a matter of time. My cousin just moved her into assisted living. And, and again, barring a miracle, a hospice calls just days away. Still life gives us lemons at times, doesn't it? Life gives lemons to old people, to young people, rich people, poor people, good people, bad people. Life comes with lemons. But listen. We don't have to suck on them. We don't have to suck on them. Alright? Because I think that's sometimes what we do. We just it's almost like we're so used to doing that we default to there, and and, and God's, God's like, No, I've got something better for you. Alright? Christian apologist and author Rabbi Zacharias, how many of you heard of Rabbi Zacharias? The summer of 1971 in South Vietnam, he was uh, uh, going up and down South Vietnam and preaching to U.S. soldiers as well as imprisoned Viet Cong members. On that particular trip, he was given a personal translator and interpreter, a young man by the name of Hai. After preaching throughout much of South Vietnam, Rabbi returned to the U.S. and didn't know if he would ever see Hai again because they established a good relationship while he was there. 17 years later, Ravi said he received a phone call, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this word for word from Ravi's account. The phone rang, Ravi picked it up and heard, Brother Ravi, the man asked. Ravi said, immediately I recognized Hyan's voice, and he soon told me his story. Shortly after Vietnam fell, Hyan was imprisoned on accusations of helping the Americans. His jailers tried to indoctrinate him against democratic ideals and the Christian faith. He was restricted to communist propaganda in French or Vietnamese. After a while, the propaganda began to take its toll. Maybe, he thought, I've been lied to. Maybe God does not exist. Maybe the West has deceived me. So and determined that when he awakened the next day, he would not pray anymore or think about his faith or God anymore. The next morning, he was assigned the dreaded chore of cleaning the prison latrines. All right? As he cleaned out, a tin can overflowing with toilet paper. His eye caught what seemed to be English printed on one piece of the paper. He hurriedly grabbed it, washed it, and after his roommates had retired that night, he retrieved the paper and read the words, Romans chapter 8, and trembling, he began to read, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. For I'm convinced that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hyen said, he read those words and he began to weep and he cried out to God asking forgiveness because that was going to be the first day that he would not pray. After finding the scripture, Hyen asked the commander if he could clean the latrines every day because he discovered that some official was using a Bible as toilet paper. So each day Hyen picked up a portion of scripture, cleaned it off and added it to his collection of nightly reading. When his tormentors were using, what his tormentors were using for refuse the scriptures could not be more treasured to Haim. Eventually he was released from prison, fled to Thailand. Today he's a businessman in the United States, a radiant Christian, and a living testimony to the power of God's word and its transforming power. Talk about turning lemons into lemonade. The next time anxiety or worry wakens you in the middle of the night, please understand that that's not God's will. That's not God's will for you or anyone else for that matter. He doesn't want us leading lives of perpetual anxiety and fear. So what do we do? We do what Jesus did. Surrender your fear and anxiety to the Lord. How? Like Paul said, by being calm. Being calm. Celebrate God's goodness. Ask for God's help. Leave your work. Leave (laughs) them. Leave them with God and fill that void with gratitude and then meditate on good things. And if we'll do those things, God will honor his word and his promises towards us and he will pull us out of the depths of fear and anxiety. Amen? Let's stand. Everyone bow your head. I want to pray for any of you that might be in a little bit more anxiety, stress right now, but before that, I want to, if there's anyone, and you know, you're not right with God and you want to get right with God. We can take care of that too. We can take care of that too. And if if you don't understand what I mean when I say get right with God, then this probably isn't for you. I'm talking about you're here this morning, you're not right with God, and you know you're not right with God. We can take care of that. And I'm going to just lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance. And God will receive you back to him. So if that's you, just pray this prayer with me. Silently, Lord, I do pray that you would forgive me for my sin. Forgive me, Lord, for living a selfish life. And help me, Father, from this day forward to begin to live my life for you. Help me, Father, to begin to seek your plan and purpose for my life. And as I do, and as you begin to unfold that and show me that, Lord, I pray that you would guide my steps. Give me faith. Give me strength. More than anything else, Lord, just help me to live my life in a way that would be honoring of you. And I ask you to do that now. I invite you into my heart, into my life. Help me to begin to live my life for you in Jesus' name. Amen. If, if that was you, if you prayed that prayer, then I want you to either tell someone before you leave, just say, hey, you know what, I prayed that prayer with Pastor. Or de- take one of those cards on the back of the seat in front of you. There's a place on there you can check that box that, yeah, I prayed that prayer because we want to help you with your next steps. We want to encourage you as you move forward from this point forward. For everyone else, if you're here this morning and you do struggle with fear and anxiety, and, and I mean it's, it's a real deal for you, Lord, I pray that you would give them added grace. I pray, Father, that as we look to these instructions by the Apostle Paul, that you would help us all learn to be calm, to celebrate, to ask, and then leave those problems, those concerns with you. Bring them to you, but leave them there. And then meditate on your goodness and all those things, Father, so that we won't stare at the mess, but we'll get our eyes focused on you. And as we begin to do that, Lord, that you will... Draw us up out of the depths, the quicksand of fear and anxiety and worry, Lord. We thank You for for the promise of Your Word. And we thank You for these instructions that we can use going forward. And I pray all these things, Father, in Your name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Go with the Lord. Have a wonderful day.